Hello and welcome to the Veterans Career Compass. Where we meet with employers, veterans, military spouses, and those in the community to share their stories. I'm Rich Commons. And I'm Jana Toner, and we're with American Corporate Partners. The Veteran Mentorship Program for Meaningful Employment. We'll be talking about employment and learning opportunities, stories of growth and success, and tactics to make your transition into the corporate world a little easier. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to ACP's Inside Look. I'm Jana Toner, Senior Vice President at ACP and your moderator. I know you will have many questions and comments about today's session. Please add them to the chat and we'll make sure to include them in the conversation. Today, we will tackle the important issue of underemployment of veterans and spouses. At ACP, our mission is to help veterans and spouses achieve their career goals, whether it be promotions, starting a business, certification or educational choices, or finding meaningful employment. We don't want you to just find a job. We want you to find a career that is both meaningful and sustaining. So on this, uh, we understand that there are many roadblocks that can happen on this journey. So joining me today are two experienced talent professionals who can share their perspectives on achieving your goals and combating underemployment. We have Krista Allen, Vice President for Global Talent at Sensata Technologies. They're a global industrial technology company striving to create a cleaner, more efficient, electrified, and connected world. And we also have Mark Brooks, Manager for Talent Resources at Nucor, North America's largest steel manufacturer and recycler. Both Sensata and Nucor are proud partners of ACP. Thank you for that support of veterans and spouses. And thank you for being here today with me. So Krista, let's um, start with you. Can you briefly introduce yourself, tell us about your background and what kind of employees you're looking for at Sensata? Sure, so um, I've been in the HR uh, field for over 20 years. I've been with Sensata for eight. Um, I'm responsible for the end-to-end -end employee experience. So everything from sourcing and recruiting through learning and development, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and just recently added a responsibility for our HRIS team. And as far as ideal candidates at Sensata, so we're a very fast-paced organization. We're global. Um, we value flexibility. We value what we call one sensata, which is really working across our business lines and collaborating with our peers in order to really provide the ultimate customer experience for our customers. Great. Thank you. Welcome. Mark, your turn. Would you mind introduce, briefly introducing yourself and talking about the ideal candidate at Nucor? Yeah. Thank you, Jane. I appreciate being on. Um, Mark Brooks, so manager of talent acquisition. And what that means is uh, Nucor is a highly decentralized company um, where we have over 300 divisions across the United States, Mexico, and Canada. Uh, and really the role I play is helping with strategy, all things acquisition for. So if you think about early career talent, you're looking at your collegiate professionals, your mid-career talent, um, and we tap into the military quite a bit to find those experienced hires that can come in and help lead the organization. A couple of unique things also about Nucor is, um, and when we, what we look for in people is, we have um, a word that we use. We don't use employees, we use teammates. 
And really what that signifies is that you have a part in the success of the organization, whether it's your first day or your last day when you're going to retire. Uh, and so those are some of the qualities that come in when we look for teammates to come into Nucor, those that can contribute, that can be a part of a team. Um, you know, we use the word fresh eyes. So when you can come in and put fresh eyes on things and, and uh, also work together uh, to get a common goal achieved. Great, thank you very much. So when we um, you talk about underemployment, it really is such an important topic for our ACP community. And what I hear from people who are who are not uh, don't know the military too well or, or know the issues around veterans too well, they think that because veteran unemployment is, is pretty low, that therefore they're fine and don't don't have any issues either during the transition process or, or finding a good good opportunities. Um, but I think those low unemployment numbers, they don't really tell the full story. So Mark, would you mind, uh, when, when we're talking about underemployment, what, what does that mean to you? It, it can mean a few things. Number one is the, the skills that you bring to the table, you're not necessarily being able to utilize them in your current situation. You know, we, we employ a lot of engineering talent and, and folks that can help in manufacturing get uh, keep us running. And sometimes you'll have someone, especially if I think about the military community that, that may have had transferable skills, but just because of the um, not being able to express that, they may not be able to get into the job that you best utilizes those skills and not only the skills that they have uh, in the job, but also the leadership skills that they may have acquired by being in the military. So unemployment is not really utilizing your full self in the current role that you're in. Krista, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, the one thing I would add is that, you know, it's when we look at underemployment, you know, we see a lot of folks, especially, um, you know, people who are returning to the workforce and they're really unsure about how to uh, position themselves if they had either a career gap or if they have been in, you know, a part time position, which is also something that's considered under the definition of underemployment. And so it's really trying to figure out how to, enable those individuals to be able to, you know, position that career break or that part-time role or that underemployment in a way that um, shines through. Great. Thank you both. And you both have so much experience in hiring and you also support veterans and spouses in, in these issues. So I really appreciate the unique perspectives that both of you have um, on this issue. So Krista, what are some common mistakes that you are seeing in the hiring process from candidates? So I think there's mistakes from candidates and also mistakes on the um, employer side as well. So, um, you know, we often find that candidates, um, many won't apply to roles unless they have over 80% of the qualifications listed in the job posting. And um, that actually tends to affect women um, more than men. So, um, you know, I would recommend that you think through the job posting and if you have at least 50% of those, you know, that's a reason to apply and, and let the process happen. I also think it falls on the companies, especially with our military talent. Um, companies need to understand the transferable skills um, that Mark was talking about and how those relate from military to civilian roles and really appreciate the experiences that those military folks bring with them. Um, and I think, you know, we still see, unfortunately, in the marketplace, you know, some biases towards gaps in the resume. 
um, you know, frequent job changes, which clearly can happen um, with our military teams as well. So I do think it actually falls on, on both sides. I think the candidates need to take a risk um, and to try to um, lower that, you know, imposter syndrome they may have. And I also think employers need to do a better job at appreciating the transferable skills um, from our military folks. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. Mark, what about you? What are some common mistakes you see? I mean, Krista hit, hit on some really good ones. You know, one to add to that is sometimes the lingo. So it's the, the vernacular that, you know, military, my dad did 22 years in the Army, 82nd Airborne, and he had a a language that I got used to and had to learn uh, when he was talking. Sometimes to, to Chris's point about employers, we may not understand what that language is and knowing what these titles and these terms and these abbreviations mean. And that's on both parts, right? If we're actively recruiting military men and women and spouses, we need to learn those languages and those abbreviations and some of that those um, job titles so that we can equate those to things that we have um, in our organizations. The same goes to the military um, spouses and, and, and um, veterans. They need to understand what civilian companies are looking for as they're in, in the marketplace looking for those jobs and be able to adequately explain what that means on the resume so that uh, we can take that and extrapolate it out to, to say, hey, this is a really good fit because you've, had, you've brought the skill set to something that you've done or something that you've seen um, in the job. So I think those are two of the mistakes that, that can happen. Great, thank you. You know, you, you guys have both talked about some of the different causes of underemployment and different, uh, and different reasons for it. But Mark, in your experience, do you think veterans or what do veterans do during the job search process that contributes to, to securing a job that's below their skill set? It could be timing. So when they start the process to get ready to transition out of the military, um, it, it's never too early to start too soon. Um, because you will, as I call it, the funnel, right? You'll open the funnel up and you'll see more opportunities as you're not being rushed um, to try to find something as you transition out. So that could be a cause is just sheer uh, timing uh, entering the marketplace. Uh, I don't want to take all of it because I know Chris has some really good points. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop at that one. And then if there's some more to add to that. I'll, I'll come back in and do that. So what I would add is I've seen, um, and I know I, you know, ACP and as as a mentor to proteges, we we help in this space, but I I don't see resumes that truly reflect the um, the results that they've had. Um, you know, we're not seeing strong resumes that have you know actual specific um, focus and action verbs and you know results on it, and that's really what's going to get the attention of of many employers. I also, you know, I'll I'll go back to you know. I'm not sure that some of our veterans and their spouses do a good job of translating their skills to the civilian roles. And I think that, you know, one way to combat that is really to expand their network. And so to Mark's point, they should leverage the time that they have if they do have sort of um, a broader preview as to when they will be transitioning, um, leverage that time to really build out their network. Um, I've had some really great uh, transitioning uh, military folks reach out to me from my relationship with ACP, and I've worked to connect them with other folks within my network. And so, you know, they're really, you can't over network. It's, I can't stress that enough. Janet, can I, I, I wanted please. to add, add yes, something please. to that. And, and so Krista talked about the resume and, and, and you can add 
numbers and percents are things that stand out because you can see, you know, I call it a results-based resume. You know, you don't, you don't brag on yourself and talk about some things that are bullet points that you've succeeded in doing that can help that employer um, think through, hey, this is something that I can get this person involved with. This is a job that may fit because I've seen some results base that they've had mm-hmm. uh, in their previous, in their, in their job within the military. And then the, the last one I would add is tapping into some of the res- into some of the resources that are readily available. Having someone that is not in the military review the resume and just see if it makes sense at a surface level. What questions do they have immediately just by looking at the resume and then taking that and and making those subtle changes so that um, that's not necessarily the case when someone may not have the time when they're looking at the resume to to uncover what it means. And so using the resources that are not in the military could be another helpful tip for those men and women. Yeah, thank you. Those are really good points to emphasize because I think that um, there definitely are, you know, I think two types of, there are more than two types of people in the world, but I think sometimes they're the people that you look and say, you know, wow, they really do a good job of of promoting themselves and talking about their accomplishments and then others who don't do that job uh, well enough. And I think veterans and spouses definitely fall into the, the latter category. And so your point about making sure you include numbers and results, percentages um, in your resume, I think it's, it's really important. We need to emphasize that. You know, Mark, do you feel like every every bullet point on your resume should have a number or results? Um, does it need to be that specific? No, I, I don't think so. I think that the resume is really the talking points. It's, it's, it's going through some of the highlights that get the conversation started. I mean, some of the first questions we ask is, tell me what's not on the resume. Of course I can, but tell me what's not on here. And all you're doing is in that resume is enticing the conversation. Oh, let me, let me dig into this a little bit. So every, if it's all numbers, I may go back to my math background and finance background and just geek out there. And I don't want to do that when I'm trying to look for a, a potential candidate. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, Krista, do you want to add anything to that? I mean, how much time, how much time do you spend on a resume? I think eight seconds. I heard that sounds like make, actually maybe too much time that people may spend on it. So it's, it's hard, you know, with all of the technology now, there's a lot of support. So when folks are applying, I'm not sure they realize, but a lot of our systems kind of do a screen of the resume and we'll look for those action verbs for those data points. And those tend to um, float to the top a little bit more. Um, As far as, you know, screening resumes, I'm looking for those key things. I'm looking for those keywords and those key results. So eight seconds might be a little short, but um, it's definitely probably not minutes that are spent reviewing the resume. Right, right. Um, I mean, I would be surprised there's more than 30 seconds, too. I guess it depends how long it is. You know, we talked a little bit about military spouses. And, Christy, you brought this up uh, as well, um, that when you only find part-time work, it also counts as underemployment. Our military spouses, 25%, report being underemployed. And, you know, it's not surprising considering military spouses, they have frequent moves, limited child care options. Um, they have spouses that may be deployed, maybe families not nearby to help uh, with families. This all can contribute to this challenge for military spouses. Uh, so, Krista, underemployment may be their only option as a military spouse, right? So what is your advice for people, for spouses who find themselves in that situation? Um, Whether do you just stick it out for the short term until you can move to a new location? Do you look for a job? What kind of advice do you have? 
Sure. So, you know, I think the, the post-COVID era has actually opened up uh, greater options for folks in this situation. Um, there's a lot more flexibility with regards to remote roles, to um, flexible kind of gig roles. So if it's something that you can do part time, a lot of organizations are bringing on folks that have certain skill sets to do a very specific project that may work out for, um, you know, their schedule, their location, or, or the other elements that are contributing to, you know, their ability to, to work full-time, part-time, underemployed, or, or within their career. I also think, you know, think creatively. So, you know, yes, remote roles are more common now. So take a look at that. Um, that's, you know, I have a friend whose husband is in the Coast Guard and she, you know, is a nurse and it was hard to switch hospitals every couple of years. And so she was able to find a remote triage role that she's been able to have sustained over the course of many, many moves. And so, you know, it's a good example of being creative about, you know, making your situation work. And I think also, you know, try to look for larger companies. So larger companies that have multiple locations um, is really, you know, a, a thing that could play into someone being able to transfer or, you know, once you get in the door, they see that you're a really great worker and they might be a little bit more flexible around your next location. So those are just some ideas that, you know, that I typically give to, to folks in the situation. Thank you. Mark, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, she did a great job. I mean, sometimes you have to be on an underemployed. It, it's just the nature of the game. And um, it, it is a, really the decision of economics, what, what works for your individual family. Um, and we all make sacrifices in order to for the betterment of our family, our peers and things like that. So sometimes that is the option. But, you know, she hit it on the, in the nail with finding those larger companies. I, I think think about um, young people or, or just spouses that I know military or, or outside of the military that have people in their lives that move a lot. And so that as a result, they have to move. They find those companies that have the multiple locations and, and then they, they don't burn a bridge. They may have to cross later. And so when you do a good job somewhere, it helps you do another good job at, uh, elsewhere. And then it's also about networking. Um, just because you're at this job today, that person in HR, that person in talent, that person that's leading the organization may know someone that, they can introduce you to to provide that next opportunity so you really have to always do a good job whether you're on an un, underemployed or not it can lead to, to better employment um, sooner than you think thank you so mark something that you and i have, have talked to about uh some in general is i think that there's a difference between uh being underemployed and thinking that you're underemployed and maybe there's a disconnect um, between between those two. So how do you know if you are actually underemployed or if you just think you're underemployed, uh, but you're, maybe your employer doesn't doesn't agree with that? So there's an age old question of perception versus reality, right? Um, sometimes you have to solicit feedback from others and take it. Um, I've had to do that myself and, and agree or disagree. It is the perception. And so getting that unbiased opinion sometimes helps you understand the, the situation. And it's not easy to, to take. We have at Nucor, we have what we call do wells, do better. So we always talk about what do you do well, um, but what can you do better? Because we all, none of us has arrived and there's things we can do better. And, and, and then it shifts to the mindset. Um, knowing that this could be a short-term solution to a long-term goal, um, how do you approach it? And in that approach, 
you, you, you've heard the, the the saying, someone can look at look at a picture and I'm, I'm butchering the statement, but and, and see a thousand different things. I, I don't think that's mm -hmm. right, but it's close enough. That's a do better for me. Um, but it's, it's the same situation. You can, um, it, it's how you view it. And then how do you utilize where you are with the right feedback around you? Yeah, thank you. Um, Krista, what's your advice on how to assess the situation? Um, so I think it's around, you know, questioning yourself as well. So have you made it known to your manager, the organization, what it is that you're striving for, your full skill set? You know, what ideally are you looking for near term, long term? What are your goals? And then also, what are your challenges? Right. I, I like what Mark said about sometimes you have to hold up the mirror and say, what am I missing from reaching my fullest potential in this space? You know, to me, underemployment is is pretty obvious, right? It's, it's, you know, if you're not using the skills that you've acquired over the course of, you know, a career, whether it's stopped and started, whether you've always been part-time, if you're not using those skills that you're, that you've trained for and that you would promote on that resume, then you're probably underemployed. Um, but if you're in a role doing using those skill sets and you're just feeling as though you're not reaching your fullest potential, that's definitely different. And that to me is a really good conversation with your manager around what that person sees in you, where are your areas of uh, strength, where are your areas of opportunity? And just, you know, sometimes you have to own your own career and you have to make it known what you're looking to do and get that feedback, like Mark said, on what is missing and what is the do different that I need to do. Yeah, we have one of my colleagues here at ACP, Eric Brew, talks a lot about being the CEO of your transition and how important that is, right? You have to own your career, uh, whether you're going through a transition or you're already out in the workforce and um, want to chart your own path, that you do have to, to have that um, ownership. And I appreciate that both of you talked about that self-reflection piece, talking to your manager listening to the hard some of the hard things that are to, to hear but listening to them and, and making changes and improving in your performance to to make the difference and i i do think that that is noticed by your employer as well and your manager when they see you listen to the feedback and make changes and, and try to improve so. you, you know jana it, that, that reminds me so you talked about one of your colleagues i think about um kendra snipe who is one of our teammates here she is leading the, the mentorship side with ACP. Uh, she seeks out feedback. She seeks out um, opportunities. And, and, and that's what an employer wants to see in their employees is seeking out, raising your hand, volunteering, stretching. Um, that helps you close that gap Chris talked about with the skill set that you've acquired and that you're utilizing is we may not even know that you have the capability or the bandwidth to, to do more. So be careful, but raise your hand too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't argue though, right? I mean, you have to listen <laughs> to accept. Right. Um, you know, we, when um, I think some people, I think this applies to everyone, not just veterans and, and spouses, but when you make a career change, you may take a job, uh, either make a lateral move or below your experience um, if you want to change field. So is this, and it, that is expected, uh, correct? That's something that you should expect if you're changing fields and you don't have the experience um, in that particular area. Either yeah, it, 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 um, 
it's hard to lead when you don't know how to follow and following sometimes is learning, learning the business, learning the industry. Um, it's hard to do that. Those leadership skills will come out as you're learning. Um, but you, you, you do have to be able to um, be even a servant leader, right? As you're learning that, that new job, that lateral job or that, that new company um, there's a, there's a time period of what I would call the, the, the foundation period. And, and sometimes you can, you can accelerate that, but I, I wouldn't rush to accelerate that because there's pitfalls you can have when you're, when you're learning. Um, and if it's the right company, if it's the right opportunity, you don't mind taking a step if you want to consider it back to take a step forward because um, mm. it'll help you actually grow faster and further by having that foundation, by going a little bit of, you know, taking that step back in order to, to, to go forward. Great. Um, thank you. Can I just add to that? Please. Yeah. So I, I try to, when we, we have lots of conversations around career development here with, with our employees and even with our, our interns, we have a large intern class that comes in uh, every year in the U.S. And we talk a lot about how it's like a playground, one of those kind of sets that you play. And so your career, we were always told that it was a ladder, right? It was this linear move up. And it's really not. You're kind of like climbing up. Sometimes you have to go across to go up again. You might go down. You might go across. So I think we need to, you know, erase the notion of it being this linear ladder and really think about what are the experiences that I'm acquiring that's going to ultimately get me to where I want to be and understand that that might not be a nice smooth path <laughs> to that point. And you do have to sometimes go in a bunch of different directions and it may not even be to, you know, change your career. It could just be to acquire those skills to get to ultimately where you want to be. Um, personally, I've done some rotations in the HR side that I didn't love, but I knew there was a reason for me to take them and, and I did it. And, you know, I reflect back on those opportunities and, and use that experience in order to do better in, in what I do love. So um, I like to kind of create that visual for folks because I do think people get, get stuck on that sort of ladder visual versus kind of like that playground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people might also get too stuck on a title as mm -hmm. well um, above above all else. Uh, I, and if you wanna maybe either of you wanna expand on that as well and, and how you, how you think about titles at your organizations. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's different things that are important to different people. And so what I found is there are folks who, you know, the title is really, really critically important to them. There are those who the compensation is critically important to them, work-life balance, flexibility. So you kind of have to figure out what is the most critical for you. And if title is that, again, I think it's a discussion at Sensata, we have business titles. So you may be in a job you know, a job category or profile, but we enable folks to use business titles to really talk about what it is that they're doing and, and kind of the role that they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't, I always would advise against getting hung up on titles, but I also reflect and understand that that is critically important to some people. Mark, anything to add to that? I'm, I'm glad she went first because... <laughs> That was very. That was a very good answer. I, um, I, I know a new core titles are not. They're not. It's flat. I mean, there's mm -hmm. four levels between you and the GM and um, the GM and the CEO. So it's it's very flat. We're more um, really centered on the work that you do, the teammate centered 
culture, the safety, and all those things come into play, the results. Um, but she, she did say, some people I, I remember working, I won't say where, but in the banking industry, and there were there were titles thrown around. And, and I mean, you could have just started yesterday out of college and you had a title and it, it didn't mean anything internally at all. Um, and, and so you really have to look at the value of the job and, and really the fulfillment that you get from it, not the title itself. Um, but she said it. Yeah, no, she did. And I, you know, I have the pleasure of working with, with many different partners uh, here at ACP. And I think that definitely is the trend of a very flat title structure. And really, it's about the work you do, the, your performance and your results that matter. And I have a, a friend who runs a fairly large company as well. And when I've talked to him about this topic, he said, anyone asks me, what the title is and an early conversation, I know that person isn't the right fit for, for this company um, because that's not that's not what matters to us here. What matters to us is, is what we're trying to accomplish, our goals, not um, who has the best title, which I think that was really good, good advice. Um, well. Yeah, she said it, that having the conversation, like let's understand why. Yeah. Um, and it, it could be something that, it, it could be a misperception. Um, it could be something that was inherently given that they could understand that it's, it's really not that important. Um, but you never know where the, the crux of that comes from. So mm -hmm. having that conversation is important. Absolutely. So if you are making these lateral moves and things, Chris, we've talked about the, the kind of the moving here, how long should one stay in that job without a promotion? Like what's, what's reasonable? Do you have any, any advice or a rule of thumb for people to follow? So I will tell you, this has changed dramatically since I've entered the workforce. And I think in some cases it is very generational. And so, you know, what we're finding is the more junior and career folks um, expect much more time bound promotions versus work product and sort of work doing promotions. Um, and so I would almost change that question uh, to how long should someone stay in a role before they go to a different role? Because it may not be a promotion. It may be a different experience that they need to acquire in order to continue on their career trajectory. And I always, when, when I'm having my team rotate or I'm having this conversation with an employee, I say 12 to 18 months. You have to at least go through a full cycle to be able to see the work that you're doing come to fruition and honestly and own it too, right? So if you're in for less than 12 months, you may do something that may or may not end well and it's not fair, right? To be like, all right, thanks, I'm going to go because you learn a lot from failing too or you learn a lot from things not going as planned. Um, so 12 to 18 months is the typical sort of benchmark that I would put in that. And I think promotions really need to be looked at by what is the work you're doing? Like Mark said, you know, are you raising your hand? Are you putting, you know, yourself out there to do more? You know, often I have conversations around promotions and they're like, well, I'm just doing a good job in, in my role. Well, that's what we hired you to do is a good job in your role. <laughs> and so promotions typically come when you go above and beyond and you're doing a lot more and, and that sort of thing. So um, but I do think, you know, as far as changing jobs or changing roles in a company, 12 to 18 months would be the benchmark that, that I would provide. Great. Mark, can you add? Yeah, I mean, good. That's a good benchmark, um, you know. You can also ask that expectation up front as you're in a role. Hey, what does the review process look like? So that at least you have that as a, um, a, a benchmark and you can be held accountable and hold accountable to that. 
Um, now, that doesn't mean that's the only one, but at least you have a template that you can go by and have something to look forward to um, in, in, in those performance reviews and in those promotions. Um, and then I would concur with all the other statements that she made. Yeah, they were, they were good. She had some, hit some great points there. Uh, when we've seen um, veterans leave the military and they try to find that that first job, right, and it's below their skill set, and sometimes by accident they're able to, uh, the company recognizes their talent and promotes them pretty quickly and gets them to the level they, they should be based on that on that skill set. Other other times it's too hard to navigate or you're you're kind of overlooked. So if you're someone in that situation where you're you're underemployed. You realize the position is is under your abilities. Um, they're not forward opportunity internally. How do you, when you go looking for a job elsewhere to try to elevate that position, how do you talk about that experience and what you're looking for? How do you talk about the that underemployment um, as a way that can be a benefit to the next company that hires this veteran or spouse? So a couple things. Seek mentorship, which is near and dear to this organization's, right? So seek mentorship of, of people that you know that have not necessarily had the same situation, but that you can talk that through mm -hmm. and, and get that advice and take that advice. Um, because it's, you, you need to be able to talk about whether it's a failure on your part, failure on the employers or the perceived nature of either one without sounding bitter and argumentative uh, about that, because that will land you probably in the, in, almost in the same situation that you're in. Uh, and then you you need to be able to talk about what you learned through that experience. Uh, those are keys to help you propel forward in the next one. Uh, and, and those doing a couple of those things, I think, will help you. It'll ground you a little bit and it'll help you reevaluate um, that next opportunity um, when it comes comes your way. That's great advice. Krista, you want to add to that? No, I, I echo sort of the, the transparency with the next company and, and what you've learned, right? Always position everything as a learning experience. So, you know, oftentimes you get one career mulligan, you know, in your in your career, right? Where you're like, I definitely didn't make the right choice here or, you know, something's different than I expected. And I think it's fair to say, hey, this didn't work and here's why. But also during this experience, I learned X and here's what I'm looking for in my next role, right? It help, even if it's it helped me discover what I'm looking for, what I'm really looking for in a company or really looking for in my next role. So I, you know, transparency and really like, what did you take away from that experience? I think is, is key um, when speaking with prospective employers. Yeah. And I think it's a great points being honest, right? Uh, don't try to hide it or talk around it. And how you can do that is to Mark's point, get to find a mentor, uh, practice, have an answer and turn it into, into a positive. And really having that sounding board, having a mentor there to talk it through, to make sure you don't make the mistake again, you know, um, and and be able to to explain it makes a huge difference in, in that process. So, um, Jamie, if yeah. I could, so this is something that we, we've talked about as a team here. A lot of times people, and this is not just military, this is just people in general, will will do a great job studying for a test, studying for a certification, studying for all these different things. But when it comes to an interview, they don't put the same time and effort into it. And that's what all of that, all of that work is for is for that to, to land that job. You have to practice how to interview, not to come off 
um, ungenuine. But to be able to express yourself in, in, in the, the right way to adequately get your points across, I think that's a lost skill that, that people don't practice is you practice the interview. And, and I always say this jokingly, but I mean it. Practice with someone that you like. Practice with someone that doesn't like you because they're going to give you the good feedback. Um, and, and then even tape yourself, you know, videotape yourself answering a question so that you can see the feedback. And you're like, I didn't even realize I did that. I didn't. I wouldn't have understand that if it wasn't me talking. So that's a skill that I, I think um, people should do is, is, is practice those things that will get you where you want to get to. Yeah. Recording yourself and watching it back. It's painful, but really makes a huge difference because you know now how you're being, how they are perceiving you, how you're coming across. It, it, I highly, highly recommend it if you're not quite ready to, to talk to somebody um, directly um, practicing. Yeah. You know. Um, Chris, did you want to add something to there too? No, Mark stole my thunder. That was one of the key takeaways was practicing. I, I think I also see it as something that um, people don't put enough effort into. And so they may have amazing resumes. And then when they're in front of you, they, they freeze and they, they don't know how to present themselves and sell themselves. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a bit of an art and it shouldn't be, you know, just kind of cast aside. I like the idea of treating it like a test or a certification and, and going into it feeling completely confident in that you're able to walk in and really do yourself justice with regards to what you will bring to, to the company. Great, thank you. We had a few questions from the audience too that I want about your companies that I want you to have a chance to, to answer. Uh, we have a, viewer from Colorado Springs who was curious if you either of your organizations hire remote fully remote employees and uh, if they can do they need to come go directly to your website to apply for the jobs or do you do any recruiting for fully remote jobs so we do have some remote opportunities um, at Sensata in the US. Um, definitely take a look at our careers page. You'll be able to search by remote so you can click on that. We also have a um, an acquired company called DynaPower um, and they are also, they have a small presence in the Colorado area. I don't know off the top of my head if they have anything open, um, but you know, that's also another uh, careers webpage to go to. You know, for us, there, there may be some um, because we're in manufacturing a lot of it, it's, it's difficult with some of the functions to be fully remote. Now, sometimes in our IT space and some of our um, design engineering and things like that, there's that 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 opportunity. Um, so it's, it's not a yes, it's not a no. It, it really is the, the role that lends to whether it can be remote or not. Um, same thing I would say that Chris has said, visit visit our careers page um, and you can search in some of the roles that that you're fit for debate based on your your skill set. Great, thank you. Another question came in for Sensata. Krista, does Sensata value employee entrepreneurship and have a, a specific career path for employee entrepreneurs? Um, so, so not specifically in, in the pure sense of entrepreneurship. Um, you know, we are a publicly traded global organization. Um, but we do really value innovation. Um, so, you know, we are, you know, working on things every day, uh, new products. So from an engineering perspective and a design perspective, that's where I would see that there is a bit of that, in, you know, not a bit, there's a lot of innovation, but from a pure entrepreneurial perspective, we definitely wouldn't 
have a place for that. Thank you. Another question, uh, I think you guys have both have such, you know, been great advocates for veterans and spouses within Nucor and Sensata. What are, would you mind sharing, what advice do you have for others at companies who maybe don't have such, um, such supportive views of veterans and spouses? What are some things that's worked for you internally that you're willing um, to share some best practices maybe? So, I mean, we have um, a group that was organically formed. It wasn't something that was a corporate initiative. It's called Veterans Roll Call. And what, what, what they do is those are men and women that have come to our company that, that have served in all the different branches. And they share things. They share veterans resources. They share a VA. They share topics that um, are important to them. And then as a company, at, at, you know, we look at the value that veterans bring the work ethic, the, 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 the team, um, the team player mentality, really the goal oriented um, drive that our men and women have, the, the service level that veterans have just in their, their, their DNA. Those are things that drive us to as a company to want to continually bring in them and their spouses, knowing that they they can make a difference to any organization. So I would I would encourage any organization to to find ways to plug into the veteran community. Um, and it doesn't matter which, where and how uh, enlisted the, the, our, our officer, our, um, our reserve force, uh, all those values can be used in, in companies. Yeah, military spouses as well. Yeah, Krista, what about you at Sensata? So I, I think it's just, you know, there's two things. One, you know, if they happen to have an employee resource group similar to what Mark said, either organically or formed, uh, formally, you know, take part in that. Uh, Sunsat is actually implementing a veterans ERG this year. It's one of our two new ERGs we're putting in place um, because we do want them to have, you know, a community in which they can, you know, share and grow and learn. And, you know, they have a very specific experience that, that they bring to the table. I also would say, you know, if you're in a place where it's not well known uh, what our military uh, veterans and spouses can bring to the table, find someone who will listen, find someone who will partner with you. Um, a lot of it is around education. When I first got here, you know, I found a couple people that were just as invested as I was in, in creating more veteran awareness around what they do bring as employees and, you know, helping to translate some of, you know, what their ranks mean and what that would equate to here and, and helping to kind of be that, um, middle to help bridge the gap between veteran and civilian worlds. So, um, start in HR, but there's often you might find another veteran. And if you team up and, and bring that awareness to the company, I think you truly can make a difference. I 100% agree with that. I think for those of you watching or listening, if you are at a company who, you know, get involved and talk about your experience as a veteran, talk about your experience as a military spouse or the people you know, because with so few people serving nowadays, not as many um, people are familiar with life in the military or life as a military spouse and and all the the challenges but also all the benefits that um that they both can bring into an organization so uh change happens within so i, I really encourage all of you to to talk about those experiences and and be part of that advocacy uh, within your company so we are about out of time so i really appreciate both of you being here with me today uh, for our final question you know what is one takeaway that you want the audience uh, to leave with today mark i'll start with you 
Man, that's a good question. So, you know, when, wherever you are, um, it's up to you to kind of help improve that situation, whether it's unemployment, um, part-time employment, you're in control of that and, and know that it, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the journey. What can you learn from it? And then what can you um, share that you've learned from whatever experience that is? Thank you. And Krista? So I think I said it earlier, you know, you can't over network. I think building out your network, especially as you're transitioning, um, you know, taking a look at folks who are willing to be advocates for you or connect you with others, I think is really critical. But, you know, that's how jobs are found really is, is through networks and through word of mouth. So I think that that's a critical step that, that, you know, a good action step that anyone can take is to, you know, what groups can you join? What resources are available? There's a ton, ACP being one of them. And so take advantage of all that's offered. Um, and, you know, I think we're in a really great place where there are a lot more hybrid roles or remote roles or gig roles. So, you know, the underemployed are in a, a unique position now, I think, greater than before in order to find themselves um, a good fit. So uh, keep working and keep being creative. Yeah. Thank you both for your advice. I really appreciate you sharing your, your wisdom and thoughts on how to combat underemployment what to do if you find yourself in that situation and, and how to move forward. So appreciate um, both of your time. Thank you, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to another edition of ACP's Career Compass podcast. Tune in every week to hear more stories and conversations from our community. If you're a service member, a veteran, a military spouse, or if you want to become a mentor, visit our website at acp-usa.org. And if you'd like to donate to ACP so we may expand our reach to even more veterans and spouses, you can do so at the ACP website. All links to support ACP will be found in the show notes. Have a great rest of your day and thanks for tuning in.